Hey friends, so today we're going to just cover a few things. Not a super long episode probably, but we want to cover things like collecting seeds, uh, foraging, foraging, drying techniques, things that we're doing to kind of um, do the squirrely things this season that squirrels are doing. And I feel like a squirrel constantly. Every time I go out the door, I'm like, oh, I'm such a squirrel. Because <laughs> I will too go from one thing to the other thing. And Drew yesterday was like, so what's on the agenda today? I was like, I'm gonna just go outside and see where it leads me. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life and our I Bought a Homestead Now What podcast. I'm Lacey. And I'm Drew. Homestead health and business strategist. And between us, we have nearly 40 years experience in homesteading, parenting, and holistic living. We love helping people live more sufficient, deeply rooted, and satisfyingly connected lives. Two to three times per month, we post a new podcast on Wednesdays that will inspire, ease, and answer questions about this lifestyle you may not even know to ask. People and homestead strategy clients ask us all the time how, why, and what to do to make their homestead less chaotic, more efficient, and mostly more peaceful. The lessons we've learned, the training we've had, and our strategic approach will help you skip steps and find more ease in your homesteading journey. Did you hear something you like? Did you learn something new? Please share with a friend or on social. Tag us at The Schoolhouse Life, and we will be thrilled to share and connect. Your shares, encouragement, and even questions are what keep us going. Thank you. And then I went outside, came back in, and she was making a quilt in the basement. With <laughs> well, so, you know, when your 12-year-old says, know. Mom, I want to make a quilt, you I don't, don't say, so hold on a sec. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I had to, I had to help her. I, I like to think of it more as you're chasing squirrels than... Uh, that, yes. If it was being. up to me and on my schedule all the time, then, but it was, it you know... What happened is she cleaned her room and she found this supply kit for making a quilt and was inspired. And so I wanted to, A, reward her for having cleaned cleaned her room and B, encourage her to do something other than, you know, make a mess of her room or do whatever other thing that she was doing that was, you know, not. And it's the cutest thing in the world. I mean, she's really working hard on it. I'm very excited about it. Um, Yeah, but uh, I made a few posts about things that I'm harvesting right now and we went foraging last week with the kids, which I'll tell you was really um, gratifying. And, you know, I think the reason that it was gratifying for me was that the reason that we started homeschooling was that, you know, like that was why we started homeschooling was so that we could learn side by side with the kids and so that we could go on these little adventures and that we could be outside and we could um, just get to know creation better as a whole. Now, I'm not going to say that they were all in. They were not all there in. Were, there were a, a lot of moments where they were all in. Well, it's interesting because the morning was, okay, we're going to go and we're going to forage and we're not going to, um, we're not going to sit and do schoolwork this morning. We're going to get outside and grab baskets. And everybody was very eager to jump in the car. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the mixing up of things and routines they enjoyed. However, <laughs> and I think they complain at this point a little bit because they're teenagers and they feel obligated to complain yeah i felt like the general attitude was pretty pretty good it was pretty good and it, yeah and they were all we had on one of the children come down pretty hard in a in a uh in a disciplinary fashion the night before right so i think she was really um putting her best foot she forward. was treading lightly yeah she was definitely <laughs> uh not complaining maybe nearly as much as she I will say it wanted was like to a parenting moment where we chose mercy over <laughs> it could have gone either way and it just felt like yeah so i think she was appreciative of that yeah and knew that she probably deserved worse right and foraging wasn't really a punishment if you think right. about it 
<laughs> now, it w- was at the shuv, which yeah. is its own punishment because it's like blackberries and, you know, you've heard about the shuv. So yeah. It, it's the a walking pain. is not exactly. Yeah. But we, well, we had to move cows. So we moved cows. We did that work together. Yeah. Um, running lines, that kind of thing. But then um, Drew had seen several persimmons and some pecans. And um, and so we're like, well, let's go out there. Let's see if we can gather anything. And we had, I would say, great success. We took out empty containers. And I learned so many lessons, I think. Like, I'm always sort of looking for the spiritual side of things when it comes to when we go foraging. Or when when I go in the garden in general. Or, you know, how things play out without my making it happen. And in this particular situation, I did post about this, but just that feeling of going out with empty buckets and not knowing what you're going to find, but being open and ready to receive, right? Like that is a really good feeling. And I think as homesteaders, we tend to approach it more with the like planting the seeds and then, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It's like the opposite approach of like, if I do enough, I'll get enough kind of thing. And releasing the control. Yeah. Yeah. And really the biggest lesson I've learned from our homestead in general is just being open um, and, and willing and like waiting to see what comes next, because you can put all the seeds in the ground and it can fail, you know, like you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and actually a really good example of this within this context of this ex- actual experience is we have plugged a lot of mushrooms in the logs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so many mushroom walks and not a lot to show for it. In fact, I would say we've gathered maybe two or three mushrooms I from all those efforts. I think mushroom flavored squirrels on our property. We, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, we just don't, I mean, I don't know, you know, we probably didn't give it enough time, enough energy, enough rain, enough, uh, watering enough attention uh, generally. But, um, I think the appeal of mushroom walks is fix it and forget it. <laughs> and right. That has not been our experience. It's been a fix it and you'll never, you'll see where the, the squirrels have eaten them. <laughs> is yeah. what we've noticed. Um, but anyway, I'd plugged maybe five logs with Reishi a couple of years ago and not gotten anything from that. And then we're out, we've collected all these persimmons, we collected all these pecans, which we were expecting a little bit um, when we went out. And then Drew turns a corner that he was kind of cutting through and he's like, oh, what kind of mushroom is that? Is that a Reishi? And I came around the corner, I was like, oh, it was a reishi. And, you know, you could see it on one side. And then he's like, oh, look at this side. And then it was everywhere. The whole stump. A big, big stump. Big stump was completely covered with reishi mushrooms. So it was just like, I think the lesson for me in that was, and I didn't mean to go down this path, <laughs> but the lesson was just like, you know, a lot of times I think we put in the effort in one place and it pays off in a different place. And I think that like, just the lesson is, to show up, you know, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. Cause how many times do you do something and you don't get the result that you expect to get, or you don't get paid the way you want to get paid. Um, but I do think there is this equal, this give and take. And, um, you know, the Lord knew I wanted six logs worth of reishi. <laughs> <laughs> he said, um, well, it's cute that you put those there, but you're going to find them over here. Yeah. And like, years later <laughs> i mean that's that's an interesting part is like for me like with the foraging is i think like you said a lot about like i knew there was a persimmon tree i knew mm. there was a pecan tree and just being aware of your surroundings and almost having like a i feel like it's a little cliche but i'll say it anyway. <laughs> like a, a childlike mentality of like you know like we're walking around out there with abraham and he's like poking and looking at everything and Mm -hmm. a lot of times i'm just kind of like 
trudge ahead. But mm-hmm. if you slow down even more and kind of like, especially when you're foraging and it's just like you, you're like, you need to release the expectation of what you're going to find. Mm. And then you find things that you didn't even expect. To Your find eyes out can there. be. Open. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think we probably could have foraged even more things. We, I know like we chewed on some juniper berries because that's just kind of always fun. But yeah. you know, I mean, we could have foraged those also. Well, and I was regretting not having actually harvested some of the, the golden rod, the solidago that was oh, out yeah, there. Just, ton of that. you know, you kind of, your buckets are full and you're like, okay, I got to take these full buckets home. Yeah. And I think like, it's funny. I thought you were going to say not the childlike part, but uh, an abundance mindset. That's what I thought uh, you were going to say, which isn't it interesting. Like you never, if a, a kid untethered by society, a wild and free kid, would go out with wonder and, and look at everything and explore and be like, what's this, what's this, what's this? And, you know, we're so single-minded and we get so focused on the one thing that we want to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe isn't that what abundance is, is like not, not being so single-minded. And I don't think there's anything wrong with focus necessarily. Cause I think, I, you know, like we've kind of gone through the business, uh, the one thing attitude. Uh, yeah. Right. And, yeah. um, I, I guess for me, the one thing sounded good in theory, but I have struggled with it because I don't feel like I have one thing. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm a mom and I love that. And I have some business stuff going on and I love that. And I, you know, I'm obsessed with plants and I love that. And, you know, I mean, like there's like, I think humans can be multidimensional and I think we can pick and, and harvest in all these different areas um, all at the same time. Well, I think there's like kind of intentions too, though. Like every time I go out to move the cows, I don't have the opportunity or I, I'm not prioritizing the opportunity to forage the 40 acres, right. you know, like sometimes I need to go out there and just move the cows and do other things for the day. So having that focus is important because <laughs> if I start collecting mushrooms and everything else, I could be out there all day. Well, and I think, I guess when I think about food, it's such a funny thing because, you know, with foraging, I feel like I'm still very new at it and I don't, you know, I don't have a ton of confidence because I know there's way more out there for us to eat than we are aware of. Yeah. And that we've become very, um, like a carrot situation where, you know, big industry, big farms are like waving this carrot in front of our faces and saying, this is where you get that at this grocery store over here. Um, because they can't harvest Jerusalem artichokes and sell them in great quantities at the grocery store. They can't, you know, harvest, um, you know, even reishi necessarily, or like some of the things that you find and aren't shelf stable pawpaws and persimmons. Like these are things that you cattails or cattails you have to do yourself. And they have all this deep nutrition and potentially more than we need, but we think we need to go to the grocery store to get the things that we need because they make us feel like that's where all the food is. But if we walk around and we really know our environment, um, or if we stop scalping our environments, you know, and we right. let the diversity come back, just how much, how much is there? Anyway, this has really gone off on some kind of a philosophical <laughs> thing. This was not your rant. This not, wasn't your plan? It was not my plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, I will say, so like back to foraging, the other thing mm-hmm. was we were up in Sparta and we found a uh, spice bush, which we knew was there mm-hmm. um, this summer, but it had a bunch on it when we were there yeah. a couple of months ago or a month ago. Um, and so we harvested those for the first time, which those are like Incredible. super exciting mm-hmm. and makes me want to plant more. 
I know the one thing is they're an understory plant, so you can plant them like in your woods if mm-hmm. you know if you they have like a lot shade. of forest and yeah. don't want to log it. You oh, can. some other things too that we've planted and are actually doing well this year is beauty bush did well. Be- um, beauty berry, beauty berry, um, yeah. and I harvested and made jam out of that yesterday. Um, yopon, yopon. Both yeah. of these things can grow in the shade in the woods, so um, it's just it's exciting to have some things kind of that we did put effort in. We've put, right. we've planted so much mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we've planted the hazelnuts. If you haven't heard the hazelnuts, we got about 25 hazelnuts this I year. I feel like that's from a 25 huge bushes. win because <laughs> we've never gotten hazelnuts before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have no comment. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the blueberries. And, and I think what we've learned in, in large part is that we didn't plan super well for those those plants and so we the blueberries just kept eating being eaten this year we've had a more raspberries than we've ever had before on the same bush we've had for 10 years so it's just these deer i was just eating raspberries today were you yeah it's lovely um so yeah it's really nice because the raspberry bush is planted kind of like right outside the shed so it's like a treat my treat every time i go to the shed is (laughs) have a few raspberries you made the lawnmower work again? Yeah. Awesome. There you go. Raspberries. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, you know, we learned a lot about how to plant, where to plant, all of that. But we've had some things kind of coming to fruition, literally. And that's been really nice in, in also the finding the things just out there kind of ready, waiting for us to be open to receive is huge. So just a list kind of breaking down. We said persimmons, pecans. Um, we found the reishi, we found some oysters the other day. There's lots of turkey tail out. Um, there's, I've seen people posting like crazy. I haven't found any myself, but lion's mane. Um, what else have I seen people gathering or what have we gathered? We did, I have harvested a lot of solidago. Um, and then a lot of things from the garden, like the herbs, especially it's a good time to start picking them and bringing in them into dry. So I brought in, uh, Tulsi and Shiso and, Lots of different things that we've been drying and um Oh prickly pear. Oh prickly pears we picked yesterday. Yeah. The tunas, not the um the flat parts flat, of had. But um, yeah, so we're gonna make probably make prickly pear wine mm, from that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I've made syrup in the past, which was fun. Yeah. I just made the beauty berry jelly, so I feel like I'm gonna we're set on jelly for a little bit. Right. But, um but yeah, so uh, how we're harvesting it, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You cut most of these things, you bring them inside, and then you find an appropriate way to dry them. So for most of the herbs, I hang them upside down um, and let them hang for a while. You don't want to let them hang for super long. Um, they'll get lots of webs and stuff on them. Not that I haven't done that. I have done that sometimes. They're just pretty, so I leave them there. Um, but letting them hang to dry is a really efficient way to let them dry really quickly. And then you want to break them down into smaller packages here air safe humid safe packaging um and then you've got we've got this what do we call that thing it's like a dehydrating air dehydrating wrap right so it can be tricky in north carolina to air dry things because the humidity levels but we're out of the humidity season um so it's now it's okay um and you it's know, hanging inside and it's hanging inside um in a corner in the shade like out of a window um, and so right now our living room is really smells like fungus, fungal, yeah. fungal activity because the reishi has a very pungent smell, um, while it's dehydrating. So it's Which I like to believe like breathing it in is beneficial yeah. too. It's like bringing the earth inside. Hopefully. 
Um, but it, it's kind of there? a cool drawing rack because it has like all these like different layers and each is screened uh-huh. and each layer zips closed. So you don't have to worry about like yeah. mice getting into it. Yeah. So in that rack right now, we've got hops. What did I put in there yesterday? Uh, Some I just hibiscus. a ton of those Thai peppers, Thai dragon peppers in there. Oh, yeah. Those things are deadly. A couple of layers of reishi. Um, and I think there's something else in there, too. But oh, the pecans are in there. The pecans are in there. Yeah. So all of those things need to cure or dry, uh, dehydrate. Um, and I, I would say, like, to me, like, that list sounds like a little bit overwhelming if you've never foraged before. But really, it's like anything else. It's like small steps. Like, learn one plant. Take right. your plant identifying app out there and say, oh, what's this plant? Can I harvest this or can I not? You know, like, mm-hmm. what's its benefits? and learn that one and then do it again. And, mm-hmm. you know, over the years you learn it, it don't like put all this pressure of like, I need to identify all this right away. I will say like one thing is just being able to de- identify persimmon bark of the tree. Like when you're walking through it's the woods, distinct, yeah. it's a very distinct bark. But a lot of times, like if you don't know what it looks like, their persimmons are above your head. You'll, you, yeah. You'll never, you might them. not even know they're there. But like, if you see the bark now, like when I'm walking through the woods, I'll stop and I'll be like, oh, okay, let me look around the ground. And like, sure enough, there's persimmons. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, learning that same with pecans or all the Well, and it's things. interesting too. I think we try to learn in this really one like specific way. I'm going to read all about persimmons, right? Or read all about pecans or read all about reishi. But the fullness of the experience of seeing them, find, you know, finding them, cutting them off or harvesting them, looking around the tree. And all of that, that full, you know, 4D, I guess, experience is like, that is how I learn. So, you know, I could have looked at pictures of pecans all day long, but if I'd shown up out there, I probably would have been like, ah, you know, but then Drew's like, there's one. And then you start to say, oh, okay, I can see the similarities between these trees and start to understand their character and what to look for and to find more. And to know seasonally. I mean, because we actually, truth be told, didn't know those Pecans were there until this year, mm-hmm. but we've been walking that property for almost three years now. So yeah. they were there. We just but, didn't notice them. I mean, the only reason is because I spent so you much time out there and I was out there bush hogging yeah. again, you know, like, and that's how I stumbled upon it. And, you know, essentially walking every walking or driving a bush hog, every square inch of that property over and over, you start to learn where things are. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I just wanted to add that a piece of the foraging for me is the seed saving. Um, and right now is really a great time to start doing that and start noticing. Um, you really don't want to forage too much before now unless you're just seeing things fully ripen and um, they're ready. But w- right now is, you know, the fruits are and ripe. now is like late October. Right. Now is late October. Um, in our area, in our zone right now, things are really fully ripe. Flowers are fully ripe. Fruits are fully ripe and you can, that's what you really want to make sure that they're not green. Um, If they're green, they're not going to probably fruit for you (laughs) next year. They're not going to grow. So, um, but foraging for seeds is a really fun activity and something pretty, it's a, you know, like low impact. You can start doing that and you can keep seeds in a really um, compact area. You don't have to keep up, keep you don't have to dehydrate them generally unless they're in the tomato still or whatever. Um, but yeah, so seed hunting um, is a form of foraging and it's a really fun thing to get into. Um, start start this year. Just yeah. just grab a handful of something. 
bring home and then try to grow it next year. And that's, it's like magic, you know, it's like carrying one summer into the next. And I don't know, there's something really beautiful about, about that process. Um, anyway, this conversation, hopefully you enjoyed. <laughs> um, it turned out a little different than I expected it to. We went a little meandering, but we were open and willing. So hopefully it's meaningful. Um, for those of you listening. And if it was, please share. If you have thoughts about foraging, what did you forage this year? Share with us, teach us something. Um, You can email us, you can um, reach out on social and we look forward to that. We love hearing your questions or your comments or your wisdom. And um, yeah, thanks. Thank you.